go, that's not good. I'm going to click that off. Your new heart actually helps you and the grace of God enables you to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not at the beck and call of those things. I actually, God gives me authority to actually take control and to live a good life for him. For 2 Peter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. Everything. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them we may participate in the divine nature. We are, div- we are participating in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. God, oh, well, these evil desires. Yes, there are evil desires. But I have escaped those evil desires because he has given me everything I need to live a, for a godly life. Yeah? Scripture is very clear about it. We're going to look at fear and trembling. So uh, if we just go back to that scripture again. <clears throat> Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what's that about? Well, there is a seriousness, a focus of heart and mind, an alert, conscious awareness that we, A, are living in a corrupt, evil, unredeemed world that doesn't encourage us to live for Christ, in fact, does the opposite. And secondly, that we have an enemy that is like a roaming lion looking about for anybody he can pick off. And there is a a healthy fear and trembling about the point we were watching uh, with my grandkids last night, uh, a, bear, um, a Bear Grylls series. And, uh, you know, he has these kind of famous personalities. And they were basically had this guy, actor, who was scared out of his life, bless him, um, walking along a log that was kind of like 50 foot up, kind of over a small ravine. Okay. And <laughs> there was a little bit of a rope there. Okay. And he's kind of walking this kind of walk. Okay, and obviously Bear just kind of like strolls across, you know, kind of like the way it does. And, and this guy was just like, you could see, I mean, he said, I have a fear of heights. He'd had a serious, he admitted he'd had a serious kind of, he'd come out of rehab, he'd drugs and drink and everything. So, you know, and, and he, you could just, you just, I mean, you really thought he was going to fall. And he was like, he was like this. <laughs> and... There is a sense of looking down and thinking, it is a long way and I could slip off this thing. This isn't just, you know, this isn't make-believe. This is a real serious thing. And there is a sense of, there's a fear and trembling that we know, you know, that actually it's important that I finish this, this journey, this race well. That I don't slip up or I get just casual. 
that actually there's a sense that you know, fear and trembling speaks of not of casualness. It's the opposite to casualness. There's a sense of, no, no, I need to get hold of these things. I need to be aware of some of those dangers. And I need to get focused and wake up and stay alert. Yeah? This guy was alert when he was walking across this lock, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> and... There are times, events, circumstances, when I think we're more vulnerable to attack, okay? Where obeying God and keeping a good heart is more difficult. And it's at those times when we're actually facing, there's different things that happen to us that we just feel like, I cannot be bothered. Blow it. I'm tired. I've got lots on. I've just had a really, really, really difficult circumstances and why should I? And there's that bit and I think it's the big challenge at that moment and I want to say to you, don't go into cruise control when that happens. Okay, I've got cruise control and you know, there's those times where you get this kind of, there's certain, there's, there's hazards ahead and there's things you've got to weave the car in and out and you, you don't want to just be sort of like in cruise control where it's kind of, it's just you can take your foot off, you know. You could actually sort of sit on the seat, literally, and the car would just carry on going. <clears throat> I haven't tried that, by the way. <laughs> you actually want to feel the gears. You want to be down in second. You want to feel the full sense of I've got real control on this right now because this is a this is like dangerous bit here. And I want to say, when, it's when there are those particularly hazards that come along your way, and we've all faced it, you know, when we've, whether you're a driver or not, where you've gone past in the motorway and you see that smash up, that's, and you're thinking, I saw that car just back at the service station, and now it's an absolute wreck. Sadly, I've seen people's lives who, godly men and women that have run well, and then because of complacency and casualness, have ended up a wreck. I'm not saying that their standing in Christ isn't secure. I'm just saying that, that it's not a glorious moment. It's not, that's what I'm saying. Um, and so we need to pay attention and we need to work this out in fear and trembling. I want you to draw your attention to this blue bit that I've highlighted, which is to work out your salvation. As you might know, um, besides watching Bear Grylls, Anne and I are also trying to learn Spanish um, at a night class. And so we are particularly alert to um, when a language is, it changes and that you've got particularly plurals uh, and feminine and masculine that actually we wouldn't have in English. But actually you're thinking, no, 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 this is a plural. And therefore, that's got to change. And that word now, no, 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 it's not like that because it's like this. And I want to say to you that this word here in the Greek, to work out your salvation, is actually a plural your. It's plural in the Greek. Why is that important? I'll tell you. Because... And this is great news, guys. We're not just, we're not all sitting here and thinking this is all about just individually coming together, kind of hearing teaching, and then trying to individually work this whole thing out. And hopefully, as individuals, we kind of get there at the end of the race. 
That's, that's not how it is. What it is, and you'll hear more about this if you come next week to the Join in the Family, okay, because I talk about it quite a lot. The great thing is that the Bible is full of one anothering. Yeah, one anothering. It's all about, actually, we're doing this as a joint thing. This is not just about your salvation. It's about we're working out together, plural, our salvation together as a community, which means that we look out for one another and we help one another in this, in this uh, course. And so we help one another to grow in Christ. We help one another to be loving and consistent and not grumbling and not gossiping and serving one another and being hospitable. And we're helping one another to do that. And it's great that we're not just having to work this all out on our own, that God in his great grace has decided that the best way to working this out is within community of the local church. And that was what happened. And that is what we're in. Isn't that great news? And before any of you think that we have forsaken the grace foundation that is so central to the gospel and all that Paul taught, he is making sure that we have no doubts that, verse 13, it is God who works in us for his good pleasure. Okay? It is God who works in us, it says. It's not just us trying to do it, but it's God working it out within us. The problem with the Israelites in the wilderness wanderings in the Old Testament was that they, they knew what they should be doing. It was just that they lost the motivation and the will. We just see the circle keep repeating itself until Christ came on the scene. Uh, and Christ came not just to bring an example of a man who lived and accomplished complete and total obedience to God's plan, but... He sent his spirit to live and actively work within us, to help us, to motivate us. Ephesians 3 says, to strengthen us with power through the spirit, his spirit in the inner man. That's what we've got, is we've got his spirit at work in us, enabling us, helping us to live this godly life. So when we say, I don't have an, a, a desire to obey God, or I'm fed up or exhausted or tempted or whatever, what should we be doing? We should be saying, God, fill us more with your spirit. God, come and I want to draw more heavily on the grace of God that is there for me to enable me and quit me. Because I don't have this natural will. I need, come, bring your spirit on me. And as we give ourselves and we worship him and we give ourselves in worship and abandonment to him, he fills us again with that power and that energy and that motivation that enables us to do it. Let's look at the grumbling and disputing. Uh, and then I'm going to finish. This is what it says. Do not grumble and dispute. Live lives that are blameless and above reproach in this crooked and perverse generation. Um, and so that we can be lights in the world. God doesn't want us just to obey, but to obey from a willful, willing 
joyful heart. You remember what it was like being a teenager and your mom said to you, clean your room up. You'd go along and you think, oh, I haven't got time for this. So it's be out, you know. Uh, and you look at the clothes on the floor <coughs> and you pick them up. Not only the dirty ones, but also the freshly ironed ones. And you bring them all together and you walk over to the laundry basket <coughs> and you dump the lot in there and you're thinking, well, that's that. Clean room. Happy, <laughs> mum. And, oh yes, how lovely. Such an excellent job. <laughs> Off you go. <coughs> yeah, the room gets clean. <laughs> but was it in good heart? <laughs> or was it just to get your mum off your back? Um, God is not after begrudging obedience. Okay, listen to this. It's not under the law. I suppose I must do it because he demands it. But he wants joyful obedience. Because I truly want to do it. Because I want to do it. Because he's changed my heart to do it. Paul brings this out when he's talking uh, in 2 Corinthians 9 about giving. And he says the same. He says, he says, God wants a generous and joyful giver. That actually, he doesn't want it out of compulsion. And actually, if that's how it is for you, he'd rather you didn't give anything at all to him. Because he wants it out of this heart. And it's the same about obedience. Don't just say, oh, well, I obeyed. Yeah, but you obeyed in a terrible attitude. It was all grumbly and moany and disputing. God saying, no, 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 no. I want you to come. I want you to help me. I'm getting really grumbly here. Give, give me more of your spirit right now. Lord, help me. Fill me again. So in conclusion, I'm going to get the worship team back up. <clears throat> Christ not only sets us an example of a man who chose to obey his father, but one who joyfully surrendered. Hebrews 12. Let us throw off everything. And it's a great scripture to finish on. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that can so easily entangle. And let us run. Hear that word? Run. Not amble. Run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ didn't just do it out of that kind of, well, I, I obeyed you, Father. What, do you, what else do you want? No, he, he, was, he did it, the Hebrew writer says, for the joy that was set before him. And God wants the same for us. He's saying, work this out in your life because I've changed your heart. He not only sets us an example, but he sent his spirit actually changes our heart when we believe. And it's an ongoing process. So as we walk with God, we actually, we're saying, I want to be more, have more of your spirit now. I believe that. I believe that I have more of his spirit now than I did 20 years ago, 40 years ago. 
that actually I'm living more in dependence on him. I know actually that I need him more than I did 30 years ago. Our will gets changed. We no longer desire to obey sin, but we want to live to please God. We want to be a shining light to our community. And I've got three courses of action for you this morning. And I want to leave you with these three things. If you know that your heart is resisting him, that you've actually let slip the desire to follow him and conform your life to his will, then you need to do this. You need to ask him again for that desire. You don't just need to try harder. You don't just need to think, gosh, I think I'll just set my alarm clock a little bit earlier because you, you'll manage it the first night, the first morning and the second morning and then it'll slip again and then you'll feel condemned again. You need to say, God, fill me with that desire because I've lost it. Secondly, if you've come under conviction this morning while I've been speaking that you are just coasting along and need to be more disciplined and focused and determined to run the race set out for you, talk to a friend. Talk to somebody within the community of God and say, you know what? I am really finding this hard. Help me. I'm just being real. Please speak into my life. Please help me in this. If you've got flatmates, speak to your Christian flatmates and say, help me. Help me, meaning, meaning knock on my door. Help me with this. Help me if you see me kind of getting into stuff that I shouldn't be. Help me. Speak. Don't just, I want to give you full permission to help me with this. Is that good for you? Is that good? Is it? We've got a community that can enable us and equip us and help us. We've got a spirit that is within us. God's really looked after us. And finally, thirdly, if you are actually saying, Matthew, I, I, I hear what you're saying and all that, but I really, I don't know this saving power within me. I've never had it. I, I'm not sure I do. When you say obey God, it's not something that kind of rings true for me. I... I it's kind of a bit of a new concept for me. If you aren't sure whether Christ has changed your heart ever, then you can do that right now. As I said earlier, it happens in a moment. And all you've got to do is call out to Christ right now and say, God, I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to make this very easy for you with every head bowed, let's just right now, as every head is bowed, just close your eyes a second. I'm going to ask that you simply indicate this by popping your hand up in the air so I can see it and others can see it. Okay, and we love to give anyone who's done this to get on their way a Bible that we've got. Okay, just on the count of three. Okay, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you and you're like, you're saying, I've never done it and I want to do it 
And I'm glad you've given me opportunity to do it today, Matthew, that I'm giving you it now. One, Jesus loves you and he died for you. Two, you will never be the same again. Three, why don't you pop up your hand if that's you so that we can see. Just going to give that a slight longer. Just let God touch your heart. Okay, we're going to worship God. I want to say, if any of these things are spoken to you, remind you again, there's ministry team up on the balcony where you can respond. If you want to, you can do it in your own heart, yourself. You can do it with a friend. You can go out to the ministry team. We're going to worship God and then we're going to have coffee. Great, thank you.